Welcome to the Coffee with Jeff and Jason podcast. Tune in for freshly brewed discussion on everything you need to know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your hosts, Jeff Tessier and Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Coffee with Jeff and Jason. I'm Jeff, and this... Wait, no, I'm Jason. You're Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jeff. You're Jason. <laughs> that was hey, good. This is why I need my coffee, man. There we go. It's Hey, there are too many J's. Too many J's. Jeff, what's up, man? How you doing? Not too bad. It's a nice balmy two degrees here today. That's Celsius, just for you American friends out there. You know what? Um, I, it's pretty cold here too. I'm I'm 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, there you go. Colder there then. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. We're gonna be constantly bat, ba- uh, bouncing back and forth between uh, imperial and metric system on this podcast. I can I can tell anybody that like just tuned in right now is listening to this like going, wow, this sounds like such an exciting podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more from these guys. <laughs> Okay. But no, we no, we do have a good show though. We do we we have some good good topics that we're going to jam about today. We're going to jam about service CSI, service retention, service automation, uh, which honestly is like one of my favorite topics right now. So Absolutely. I'm excited to get into it. But uh, hey, man, how was your weekend? How are you doing? Well, oh, uh, wasn't too bad. <laughs> Kids were under the weather, and family seems to be. But uh, yeah, just yeah, I swear it's like everyone I talk to right now. It's like a 50-50 shot. Like I could just simply ask him. I said, so how are you feeling okay? And it's like 50% saying yes, 50% saying no. There's something going around. I mean, I guess it's that time of year. The weather the weather just got chilled, right? So we just yeah. got super cold weather, and I think that's kicking We've in. We've had a lot of days where it was nice and sunny last week, and then it gets cold very fast too, right? So it's up and down, and so it's not helping. <laughs> not at all, man. Not at all. Hey, you know what I did this weekend? I just kind of chilled, which is rare for me. You know me. I'm usually yeah. like... I'm either fishing or hiking or going camping or taking the kids to a park or so. I'm just usually always on the go on the weekend. Taking of the outdoors. Yeah, typically, right? But this weekend, I was just like, I stayed in and uh, I binge watched something. I don't normally get to binge watch stuff, but I, now since I live in the States and I'm, I'm in, for anybody out there doesn't know, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee now. I don't live in Toronto anymore, um, but I get I get Hulu. Hulu. Oh, we don't have Hulu. I know these Canadians. Oh, these Canadians. They just don't know what Hulu is. So Hulu's a streaming service you can't get. Like, and it's like the best one, dude. It's got like HBO on it. It's got all these different like channels on it. And I've been watching this series about Mike Tyson called Mike. And it's like like a drama about how he kind of started as a kid and all the crap he went through and stuff like that. And it's it's uh, you know what. I, you know, I, you know, I, whenever I thought of Mike Tyson, I was like, you mean that weird ass dude that bit off <laughs> another guy's ear? Like, yeah. Okay. No, not really my thing. But now since I'm watching it, it's interesting, you know, in business, just the, these ups and downs, right. Yeah. And how people can just kind of swoop into your life and take advantage and swoop back out and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's the way my brain is wired. But anytime I watch a show like this, I always start correlating back to, you know, the business world and how this actually, it's actually a pretty good, actually, if you want it, I, I recommend anybody out there. I'll have yeah, to look for it. <laughs> I don't have Hulu, but I'll look for it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, just gotta move down here, man. Then you can watch it. Right. Done. Um, <laughs> hey, today we are going to really talk about the back of the house. Right. And yeah. um, I love talking about the back of the house. I just, for me, it's, it reminds me a lot of, you know, my, my mom always used to manage restaurants when I was a kid and 
she always take me into the back of a restaurant, you know, if she was working there or managing this, managing the place. And, and, uh, there was this, there was this element of like cool and calmness. And then you, you crush this threshold, you know, this one line, this one door, this threshold, and then you get into the back and it's like the chaos, the chaos begins. Yeah. The chaos begins. And I was kind of fine. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's this, that's the back end of, that's the service department. Right. I mean, that's, that's that's the the mechanism. It's the heartbeat of the dealership. It's what keeps everything yeah. and moving and going and moving forward, right? I mean, you know, I mean, come on, face it. We both of us had the opportunity to be in many different dealerships over over our career, and you know, you can have I hate to say it, kind of a half-ass front end of the house, but as long as you got a strong service department, you can make you still make really good money and perform quite well. Yeah. As a dealer, now, I know you got lots of experience in, in in the back end of the house. So let's let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about your experience and when you got started in the service department. How did that go for you? Well, uh, most of my career prior to the service introduction was, uh, other than being around it, was a parts guy, right? So I don't know, six seven years of parts, just doing your own thing in the back, doing well there. And one day. Uh, I was working at BK Motors in uh, Waterloo, and they came to me and asked me if I wanted to be a service advisor. And I said, are you guys nuts? <laughs> Most people are stressed out all the time because everybody you knew was always ready to pull their hair out or, you know, just completely stressed out. And so uh, not really thinking. I just said, okay, fine. I'll take the job. <laughs> and I was introduced as a service advisor over at the BMW store. And what a what a... Remember the first service bill I got was uh, on a five series car uh, <laughs> or something, right? And I learned very quickly that the bills were very equal to the roll number of the vehicle. So if it was a five series, it was 5,000 bucks. This car was barely out of warranty. <laughs> and my first call to a customer was to explain how he needed to spend $5,000 on his BMW. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Once I got over the fear of that and, and I actually talked with the mechanic, the technician at the time, and, and went through the things it needed, and, and we had a chat with the customer on the phone. His only concern was, when's it going to be ready? And that blew my mind. So it was just amazing to see how, you know, perspective, right? Somebody in my position, that was more money than I could spend on a car, let alone repairing a car, right? So, but uh, That's a good point, though, man. It's still, I think, a lot of times in our industry, we end up putting ourselves to the shoes of the customers and not really just letting the customer be the customer right well there is that too right you have to kind of just remember it's it's not uh all you're there to do is present the facts educate the customer help them understand and really you know build that trust factor so that they're going to get the work done obviously but um it's not our pocket so we don't we don't have to worry about how much it's going to cost or or what things like that right no for sure you know um my first experience um in the service department is an interesting one because i actually went from sales over to service and i was um only a couple years into the business and um i knew that i always wanted to be a dealer principal and i had a great mentor at the time uh, fortunately he's no longer with us but one one just an amazing individual in the automotive industry um there's a lot of those guys out there by the way um and 
he explained to me that if I was going to be an owner, then I needed to spend time in the shoes of every single person that worked at a dealership. I needed oh, to yeah, sure. understand right every single role. So I remember when I left the sales side and I went to go be a service advisor for thirty-seven and a half thousand dollars a year, leaving leaving a hundred and eighty thousand, almost two hundred thousand dollar a year, you know, sales position. People were like, "What the?" is wrong with you why would, why would you do that right and, um but, but it was a great experience um it was it was very eye-opening to me from a customer uh service perspective right like me you know i'll be on the sales side you know uh the customer experience was just a small period of time and I'd gone from, you know, managing a small, a small experience that may have only last a few hours or maybe a couple of days at most to now an experience that was going to last multiple years and through the entire ownership of the vehicle. And, you know, I remember there was this advisor that worked next to me. His, his name was Carl. And uh, what, what an amazing advisor. I mean, you know, you know what? It was so, his customers would bring him a coffee. Yeah. in the morning which i always thought was so fascinating i'm like where do you how do you get to a place all right where where that is that's the type of relationship and and because i always thought there was the importance of really having a relationship on the sales side but boy when i spent some time on the service side that is where the deep relationship really meant a lot you know to the customer and i think even still today you know we talked about this in a podcast uh recently where i said i think you know kind of the relationship selling is not totally dead, but it's getting very close because customers are really looking more for an experience uh, selling process or purchase process, not even sales process, right? Uh, but they're looking for an experience. If I'm going to spend this amount of money, there's got to be some type of experience attached to it. And they seem to value that more than they value the relationship. And the simple fact of that is just because I can collect so much more information these days than I could yeah. then. I don't have to trust. I don't have to create a relationship. I can easily verify that the information they're giving me is the exact same information I see online. So the trust factor is instantaneous. Now I'm looking for the experience. But in the service side, not much has changed there. I'm still looking to make a relationship right with with the advisor and i think that's key but i'd love to kind of get your thoughts on that yeah i think so too on the after sales side you definitely have to have that relationship building um you know i've i've many years in that business right whether it was an advisor or the or the management and i remember when i was an advisor back at a honda dealer i don't know mid 2000s or something and my my best friend still to this day god love him he's uh he was great with his customers very on point but he couldn't remember. Sometimes you get a little too busy, right? And uh, so some customer comes over from the waiting lounge and, and on, Andre goes, well, what are you here for, Mr. Customer? And I said, well, that's Mr. Smith, Andre. He wants to know if his CRV is ready. And sure enough, it is, right? So, And he couldn't understand how I could keep track of the 30 work orders I was writing, the customers. We'd have conversations about like, you know, what their kids were doing for hockey, how the kids were doing and, uh, you know, Susie was doing in dance, whatever it was. You know, you might see these customers back then. It was probably a little bit more frequent every three to four months. But, uh, you know, you'd remember and keep that conversation going alive. And customers always enjoyed that. Whether I worked in Mercedes or BMW, Mitsubishi, Honda, all of them, they all seemed to like having a, somebody who knew what they were talking about, had that knowledge, but also could have a conversation with them. And just a small talk, right? Nothing major, but just something to kind of keep help keep them sane, right? They need somebody to talk to. Well, look, there's there's still there's still a trust factor. Like I still gotta trust that the person that I'm 
that I'm going to be servicing my vehicle with. You know, I, I it's not that I can just go online, even though I think yeah. some people do think they can go online and diagnose their vehicle. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's very much so a, a trust element to it. Now, let, let's talk about a little bit about CSI, right? Because this is the number, all right, the, the, the holy grail of, you know, telling the world of just how good are we actually at what me and you have just been talking about for like the last 10 minutes, right? Yeah. But I, I hate to say it, CSI is, it's changed. I don't know if CSI is, is a still a good indicator of how well you're servicing a customer because I think as an industry, we found very fun and unique ways to maybe kind of work the system a little bit. I'd love to get your thoughts. So do, do, do you still feel like CSI or CXI or whatever the heck your OEM is calling it these days, is it still a good indicator or do we need to be looking at other numbers as well? Well, I think there is a base indicator there as well. Of course, there's ways to you know manipulate the system. We've seen all kinds of different ways uh, when I was in the OEM world from people filling out their own CSI surveys or blocking a CSI from somebody they made upset. But at the end of the day, the voice of your customer truly has to be taken. And, you know, I, I've seen advisors take those CSI scores maybe personal or or maybe they treat that person different after they, they come back in for service again or, or they put them on a do not service list or whatever, right? And it, it's at the end of the day, it's a predictor and it's a customer's indication of what they felt coming in. So, yes, there's absolutely some other avenues that we could possibly look at for that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's your customer giving their feedback. Now, albeit fair, customers sometimes are going to always fill it out because they're they're not that pleased, whether it be something that happened in the sales department or something that maybe their part was backward that was beyond the dealer's control or there wasn't a rental available when their car broke down. But at the end of the day, how do we take those things and the mass, the most of it, whether that be even just calls to customers ourselves or whatever it is through automation, gathering that customer's feedback to understand how can we improve the process? Because that's what I've always looked at CSI for. It's not really just, oh, God, Timmy got a 91.7% today. Yahoo. <laughs> it's, it's really what are the trend indicators showing? So if you've got no process to develop things, then you're going to fail at your CSI scoring. Um, going back to that BMW dealer, when I worked there, um, my, my mentor at that time was Larry, Larry Morrison, great guy. And we kind of created this whole Disney type thing going on. So when you came in for service, we had a whole orchestra going. We had runners for cars, of course, a little bit bigger to store, things like that. But as soon as the customer pulled into the drive through we were there to greet them, shake their hand, walk them in, pour them a coffee get their service started for the day, you know, and, and get them on their way. And when they came back for the end of the day, after reviewing the invoice, not some cashier, we did that, walked them out to their car, opened the door, and their car was facing out the drive through And it was gone, and they left from there. And everything, we just made it so that everything just happened. Customers never saw any of the awesome. chaos that you described, because uh, that certainly happened. We had all kinds of chaos from of course. You know, somebody hiding in the back, not really wanting to work, and... <laughs> it just we made an, a concerted effort to make sure that the process was followed, you know, maybe 98 percent of the time versus 100 percent of the time. And it, it it honestly made a big difference. Well, it does. Back right? in those days, BMW did CSI by act. It was a 15 page survey for the long survey. 
The oh short survey was five pages. Mail you imagine, you imagine as a customer getting something like that, right? I would never fill that in. <laughs> here, here, here's, here, here's my thing, though, with, with, with CSI, is that I don't feel like it gives us room to fail the way no. that dealerships and OEMs have now approached you know, CSI, right? Like, here's the one thing I always love about getting a bad review. I, I, this sounds weird, right? But I mean, I actually looked forward to getting bad reviews because if I got a bad review, it usually gave me an opportunity to fix something, yeah. all right, that really had meaning to the customer, right? You know, and how you address that makes a big difference. Exactly. But, you know, these days though, now, you know, it's like if you have, if you have this, you know, uh, there's such a push for perfection, you know, there's like, there's no room to screw up. And, you know, I mean, I mean, look at this. I mean, most of these dealerships out there have CSI scores that are over 95, 96, 97, <laughs> 98. I mean, come on, right? Like, well, like, from an OEM perspective, I got to tell you. Thanks. This is where I get up, yeah. I get frustrated. And I, I'm, I, maybe I'm getting, I'll get off my soapbox in a minute, I promise, right? <laughs> um, but like, I get a little frustrated with this, right? Because like, I know as a business owner, that myself and my team and my business will evolve and learn faster and become better if we're allowed to fail. Of course. I don't believe that the current CSI, CSI model, or CXI, whatever the hell your OEM's calling it, all right, I don't believe that the current model gives room, all right, for us to openly fail so that we can learn from it and actually get better. Everybody is like, we have bonuses now stuck with this like if you're not you're if you're not a, a 98.5 there are in some cases can be tens of thousands for some dealers can be yep. hundreds of thousands of dollars left on the table but that doesn't give you space to make mistakes anyways i'll get off my soapbox so i want to hear what your thoughts are <laughs> no i agree i mean from the oem perspective the last uh, oem that i worked for i mean i wasn't involved in these but i heard uh, heard conversations about you know, how do we take our CSI from, like you said, 98.5% to 99%? And it's just like, really, guys? Like, if if we could only just make that happen, right? So, you know, there's certainly, to me, it's not the score of 98.5. It's, it's, to me, it's the trending factors. And like you said, if you've got an upset customer, how are you dealing with it? That's one of the things I did like about the last OEM that I worked with was the resolution rate and the importance that they really put on that. There was a time frame that we had to reach out to the customer and close that issue and address the issue. Now, did every dealer do it all the time? Maybe they cut their loss with the customer, but they have that opportunity to regain. And a customer that is upset and has an opportunity to potentially have their situation rectified, and you know, obviously you can't fix everything, but just reaching out and trying to identify the issue and addressing something, maybe it was a miscommunication. You've now gained, Mr. Smith, for the long term and you've given yourself that wiggle room that you need because he's more aware that somebody's actually looking at these things and the impact that it has right and so he can be a little bit more forgiving on on your next score when he comes in and maybe has to wait 10-15 minutes for the shuttle or whatever it is right no that's a good point um you know i i think that there is is room for that but i still i mean i think about that and it's like if my csi drops by two points i could lose out on tens of thousands oh, of dollars sure. bonuses so the, I, you know i will get off this box i just my concern is and this is why i like my google reviews this is why i like those reviews you know is because i can actually you know i i want to be able to take action 
you know, so I, that's why I love my Google reviews. Now, now, now for a lot of dealerships, I love the fact they're doing this. They're collecting their own reviews. You know, they're not just for like, cause look, Google, like you're not going to know it's me that left the review on Google, right? You, you, you it's going to be, you know, it's going to be my, my rapper JH or whatever. <laughs> well, it's, it's J Wizzy. Uh, we'll, Wizzy. Save, we'll save this. <laughs> We'll save this for another episode. Uh, <sighs> I, I, at a young age, I had admirations to be the next Eminem, and I was going to be the J, next Jay Wizzy, represent the 905, y'all. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Thank but, God. I don't get back from that one. I come back. <laughs> but 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 no, I mean, like if. If no, I, I think the importance of it with the the bonus payouts and things like that definitely has to change. I think I think maybe yes. the for more focus is on what you're doing to drive the success story and how you're actually dealing with your customers to, you know, rectify like you said the situation that might occur because you know it's going to happen, right? Somebody's going to come into work with a bad day and they're just it's going to happen. Well, and and that and that's why I'm saying like if if your OEM is not going to allow give you the freedom to fail. Right, the the freedom to make a mistake, right? Because it, it's a good thing when we make mistakes. We learn from them and we make changes that fundamentally impact our business in very large ways. But if your but if your OEM is not going to let you do that, then I think you have to take the action to do it. And that's why I'm seeing a lot of dealerships now, and I love this, and I applaud. There's some great operators out there that are collecting their own kind of review information before that one. So they'll yeah. send out, they'll text message out like a, a review request. Like, hey, you came in for service, you know, 15 minutes ago. How do we do? You know, it's usually a single question, right? Like, did we do a good enough job for you to refer us to a friend or family member? I love that question, by the way. That's a very common in what's called an NPS score, a net promoter score. If you guys aren't collecting that information, I think it's the quickest and easiest way to find out really how well you did, because honestly, I think that's the one of the best questions you could possibly ask someone. You're not going to recommend somebody to go somewhere that you just, you know, totally can't stand. <laughs> exactly. If it was not a good experience, I would not refer you to a friend or family member. And now you have the opportunity to reach out. What's going on? What can we do to improve? Like what happened? Right. I mean, and then I think this, this is our perfect segue into service retention, which is our next topic, right? Yeah. It's like, if I'm thinking that if my if I'm looking at like my OEM CSI numbers and I'm looking at like I've because I've seen this I've seen this many times. In fact, we actually talked to a dealership this week. Me and you had some similar problems with this like this. Right, they were having like 98.5 CXI, but retention problems. And yes. it's like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. How can you be having retention problems if you're maintaining such a high? customer satisfaction score. And I think it's just because, A, I don't think it's as real as it is. Anyways, I'll get off that soapbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> move, on, move on, move on. Absolutely. Let's talk about service retention because I think the game has changed a lot, especially right now uh, over the last few years with everything that's going on in the industry. You know, people are just not driving as much. People are working from home. I'd love to kind of get your just fundamental thoughts on just service retention, how it's changed. Well, absolutely. Obviously, the last two and a half, almost three years really has changed your cycle of service visits. In addition, in the last five to 10 years, you've got OEMs changing their maintenance schedules to ex extend them even further out. You know, the days of three, five uh, intervals for service are just out the window now. So at the end of the day, though, what are we looking at when we're looking at retention? Are, how do we measure it? Are we looking at the customer coming in two times a year? Well, that, that might not quite give you the accurate picture because they might just be coming in for warranty work. They might be coming in for their tire swaps up here in our part of the world, that's a very common uh, thing. Twice a year, you'll see a customer for that. Yeah, does that really uh, mean retention, right? Yeah, yeah. so the last OEM uh, that we worked at, we, we looked at 
couple different ways to measure retention where retention effectiveness is what we kind of called it. And a lot of times what we could do was take a random list of 50 or or a hundred VINs in the last two years that were sold and kind of follow them through to see, did the customer come in for the required maintenance when it was time? And did they actually execute on the required maintenance or did they just come in for something else like a, you know, a warranty repair or tire repair? or just the oil change, even if, if you're just looking at that. So are we actually measuring what our retention is, or are we just looking at it going, well, we have a good database of customers. They come in twice, two, two times a year. Um, no, but that's a good point, right? Like <laughs> what is retention anymore? You know, like I, I'm especially, especially a lot of these vehicles are being sold now with um, uh, uh, service, uh, service contracts with them. Yep. Right. So you're like, I, I, I was at a dealership. I love this, you know, straight face looked at me, showed me the retention levels at three years. And I'm like, that's so interesting. I think I just had a meeting with your F9 department and they were at 80% penetration on their service contracts. Oh, gosh, I don't know how that correlates. <laughs> I can't imagine what the correlation is there. Um, you know, <laughs> but it's like, but what does it mean to actually retain a customer? I mean, I think the re- retaining of the customer now is well beyond the three year mark. I mean, I think if you're looking at retention between year one and, and, and well, okay, I will say year one. Actually, I will say year one, right? Because, I mean, especially depending on where you are, um, you know, if like where you are right now, Jeff, like there's like 27 Nissan dealerships you could potentially drive to in like a 45 minute. Oh, yeah. So I could get year one retention would be an important number there because, you know, you could buy a vehicle, but also live next to three other Nissan stores. So I get, <laughs> I get so I would look at like year one and like, anything between year three and year five. Um, but also I think it's, you know, you know, what's one thing of retention is like, we always focus on retention. We say retention is always on new cars. Very seldomly. I mean, who actually reports on retention with used car purchases? Nobody hardly. It's amazing. Like <laughs> that's a true fact. I mean, you think about the days when we've worked in retail even, right? What was done to yep. drive that used car back? Oh, it's an off-brand car. It doesn't matter. Well, at the end of the day, what, we can fix anything. <laughs> but Jeff, it's the best freaking car. It's the car we want in the service department. They're usually three years old and they'll have, you know, uh, 60, 70, 80,000 kilometers or in our case, 40, 50,000 miles on them. You know, like it, it's exactly what I want in my service department. Well, the 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 first three years of maintenance aren't going to be that high, right? So you, you're going to want to get cars that are in year three to five where they're going to need, you know, obviously not that your your new used car that just went out the door, but eventually that car is going to need a new set of tires. Eventually it's going to need some suspension work or some brake work or whatever you have, right? So why would you not want to go after that customer? <laughs> if not, they're just going to go to their local garage store. It doesn't matter, right? Well, look, I, I, I think this is the bottom line. Bottom line is it, it's strategy, right? Like it, it, service retention is a strategy and I, it's not a one size all strategy. I think we need to get very specific about who we're trying to retain and uh, what is the value to them as a customer on why they should continue to continue to do business with us guys. And it's not because you have a free car wash. Like we, we got to go deeper in that, you know, what do you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously you want to to speak of the value that you offer, right? Because I think that's another problem that a lot of dealers don't really get into. Uh, You know, maybe they've invested in some great tools where you can do the hunter aligner check, or maybe they're doing a detail on the vehicle or uh, complimentary inspections on the vehicles. But is anybody actually translating that to the customer? 
and the value adds that they can offer free storage with tires is is it just a happenstance that it's there no but there's some value that you can speak of potentially to enhance that for the customer to understand what why it is that you've what you're trying to do for them right so that you're charging 145 dollars an hour for service well these are the reasons why right no you're looking 100 right the value has to go beyond just the product or service that we provide and i think that's where um you'll see some amazing operators have tapped into that and they understand that you know like um so uh this weekend i went and took the kids to um wakanda forever by the way oh yeah you're, you're, oh dude you're gonna love it like <laughs> what a what a great movie you know very very epic story very different than most marvel movies up to this point you know uh there was a lot of a lot more emotion and story you know behind this one it wasn't just like you know three hours of action scenes mm -hmm. the entire time right so um but so there's this movie theater and this is actually pretty common in the states depending where you are in the states is the movie theaters here are these big leather recliners and 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 you reserve your seat you don't have to That's wait cool. you don't have to wait in line <laughs> to try to get in there and stuff like there's not 200 people in there you know it's like there's a big you know, like my kids brought their blankets with them you know <laughs> on a, oh no i'm serious hold on hold on this is but 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 my point is is that you know it's an experience and i think right now for a lot of service departments maybe listening all right that start thinking of retention in the sense of an exchange of of, of experience you know, and I'll give you one quick one. I've actually seen this now a few times, and I think it's absolutely amazing. And the, one of the biggest things I think you can do to just start making a better experience in your service department is take that coffee machine and don't put it up front. Put it in the back. Yeah. All right? Don't put your coffee machine out front. And then people are going like, what, 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 <laughs> You know? I need to know um, who's here. <laughs> who's taking what this does, it? This does. It, it requires a a a staff member or an advisor to get a coffee for the customer and bring it over to them while they're sitting down i'm telling you it's a that little tiny action all right is one one very big oh, yeah. stepping stone to generating an overall experience when i'm just get checked in and it's like yeah you're checked in uh yeah coffee's over there man it's might not even be warm. I don't know. Uh, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, I think it was it hey, did anybody clean the pot? Um, <laughs> no, no. Most people got pretty fancy coffee machines. But um, hey, look, I know we're getting towards the talent, and I still want to talk a little bit about uh, service automations. I think, you know, if I'm going to execute on a strategy like yeah. I just talked about, right? Like if I'm going to execute on this, this like taking my coffee machine and putting it now from instead of the front being in the back, all right, there's going to be a time element to it. So then it's like, okay, well, how can we start? You know, how, how can we buy that time back? How do we get that time back? And one more element that I think fundamentally in, enhances any experience, and I mean any experience, is communication. Absolutely. Right? I only fly with certain airlines right, because of how well they communicate to me as far as like changes that are going on. Right. Like, I don't want to like have to like, like, I was flying back from Florida and like there was a hurricane and the airline I was on, a lot of people have, have said very bad things about this, but I actually thought I was getting great notifications as far as like weather changes. Now this delay, but there's yeah. no mechanical. It's more of a weather delay. And I kept getting pings about it. And I felt, I felt it was great. I, I felt great experience because I felt connected. All right. To what they were dealing with, which was obviously a very serious weather yeah. situation. Um, but it was that that communication. But I'm going to tell you, no one was doing that manually. That was all automated. 
but it made me feel connected to them. But I'd love to kind of get some of your thoughts on what you think that we can automate as far as like some of the engagement or conversation portion of it that would just enhance the overall experience at a, at a service department. Well, for all, for me, obviously, uh, you know, engaging with the customer to, to let them know that they're due for service or that they, they may be overdue for service through maybe through a potential loss campaigns or whatever, uh, reminding them of their service appointments, checking in to, you know, see why maybe they missed an appointment to letting them know that their vehicle's ready to payments to, you know, the follow-up, like you discussed earlier with the customer experience, how likely would they be to recommend me? So if we could take the things that Timmy's, you know, it'd be nice if Timmy could make 50 phone calls a day, but we know that's not possible, right? So if we could free up a lot of Timmy's time by making 95% of those things automatic, customers will engage, you know, with their phones. If I got a text right now telling me that my car was ready for service, I I'd engage with it, right? So it's, it's on my time that I can do that. Whereas if somebody tried to call me at 1023 this morning right now in the middle of this podcast, we ain't going to connect, right? So I think the more that we can uh, automate these types of services for our customers and, uh, you know, maybe pick up the small little pieces here and there, you'll see that the stress level on Timmy or whoever's in the service department might ease up and, and we also have a little bit more time to to give that customer the, the true experience that they should be having, right? Like you said, offering coffee to following up to say, hey, I know that we promised your vehicles to be ready at 3 p.m., Today, it's 11 now. We're still waiting for you to go in the shop. I will update you as soon as I have a report back, right? Well, you know, and I love the fact you bring that because, look, I mean, look, we know the key to running a success, successful uh, service department is internal communications, right? Like um, how solid and frictionless is the communication between advisors and technicians, technicians and advisors, advisors and parts department. And like, like what is like, how is that pipeline of, of conversation going on back and forth? And then, and, and, and most dealerships do a great drop job of mapping out, yeah. right. You know, the, the, and trying to create it as frictionless as possible. So it's like, if, you know, if I got attacked, do they really have to walk all the way from one side of the building to the other side of the building just to get their other filter? Or is there someone that I can hit a button, I can call one and someone brings me up one. Like it's, it's those yeah. type of, you know, conversational efficiencies um, that, that I think makes a great service department. Um, we got to take that same type of perspective though with our customers. And you know, look, I was a service advisor, man, that phone. Oh God. Never. You don't even, there's days where you don't even want to be on the phone after work. I wanted right? to punch it. Like I wanted to literally take it, just chuck it out and just be like, you know, I mean, seriously, I, it, 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 it can literally give you a headache. Um, it's, it's full on overload. I mean, I, I, I remember as an advisor, sometimes that, that phone could ring for four hours straight between the six people of us. So six advisors all lined up there. One phone was ringing. You'd literally go home and dream and you'd have the sound of the, of the ringing phone. And you still get messages from the receptionist. You missed this. <laughs> <laughs> but it, again, if you could just free up a lot of that redundant back and forth time that really isn't spent engaging in anything, right? You might yes. be just leaving a message to say, Hey, your car needs brakes. Well, we can automate that straight for you. Just send it right to a report to the customer by text. If I'm in a meeting and I can get that and look at it when I've got time. And if I get back to you by a certain time, your car will be ready at this time. Yeah. Look, it, it works perfect. <laughs> it does. Look, 
at the end of the day, it's all process. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. It's all process. Um, look, I know we're, we're, we're hitting the 35 minute mark and we said we were going to never try to do yeah. this, but I definitely think we could, I think we should continue this conversation maybe on, um, on another day because I love this topic. You know, I love this yeah. topic. I talk about it all the time. Hey um, guys, this has been coffee with uh, Jason and Jeff. I, I'm, I'm Jason. I didn't get that correct in the beginning, but his coffee's kicked in now. He's Jeff on that side. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to jam with us this morning. I hope you guys have a wonderful day and uh, man, just go out there and kick some butt. Thanks guys. Have, Thanks. Jeff. Have a great one guys. Thanks Jay. Thanks for tuning in to the coffee with Jeff and Jason podcast with your hosts, Jeff Tessier and Jason Harris. Don't want to miss out on new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.